1: Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com.
0: All right, guys, welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast. This is, I've said this before, but this is by far one of my favorite episodes I've ever put out. I am at the Bear Archery factory here in Gainesville, Florida. With Neil Bice, Neil Bice is the hidden gem of archery. He is Fred Bear's last student and he runs the factory here in Gainesville where all of your bows, compounds and traditional are made right here in the United States of America, right here in Gainesville, Florida. We have a fantastic conversation about the history and legacy of bear archery, the innovations that Fred Bear came out with and just the game changing way that he lived life when it comes to archery. We talk about the factory. We talk about the processes that your compounds and your recurves go through to be made. We talk about a whole slew of things, and it's one fantastic episode ended by a very special gift that Mr. Neal gave me that you have to see. So guys, stay right here tuned in. Even if you're not a bear guy, even if you're not a recurve guy or a compound guy, this episode is fantastic with a lot of history and legacy about bear archery and the archery community as a whole. Guys, if you run any kind of supplement for your deer, which you absolutely should, there are things that deer need. And I have found that when I run supplements for my deer, um, it keeps them on my property so they don't go wandering off onto other properties looking for that thing that they're needing. And so I have just dove fully into running minerals and protein for my deer all year long. Buck bourbon does supplements and attractants really, really well. Whether you're looking for a long-range attractant like the 110 proof um, or whether you're looking for a feed that you can run all year long in a feeder or um, even just on the ground, and they're barrel-proof, Buck Bourbon has what you need. I can tell you story after story of going onto a new 500-acre piece, dumping out some long-range attractant, and deer just coming into it. Guys, it will make a difference in the way that you see your deer come in. So guys, I would highly encourage you to check out Buck Bourbon. You can use code HUNTING101 in all caps to get 15% off, but I would just encourage you no matter what to start running some sort of supplement for your deer. It'll have a happier, healthy herd. You'll keep them on your property more, and you can better manage those deer. Guys, go check out Buck Bourbon. All right, Neil. So first off, I have gotten a chance today to tour this incredible facility um, but before we dive into all that, tell me about your background and your history here at Bear Archery.
1: Well, I'm a fortunate individual. I've been able to work for Bear Archery for nearly 45 years. My history with Bear Archery started in 1967 when my dad, uh, Neil Bice Jr., started working for Bear Archery. He worked for Bear from 1967 to 1999, so 32 years with uh, with the archery. Wow. So. Yeah, met Fred Bear at the first company picnic that we went to in night, spring of 1967. So at Bear Mountain in Grayling, Michigan. So it was a, uh, it was uh, it was fun. So started working for Bear Archery. I worked for Bear Archery uh, in the summer of 1977, and then started work full time for Bear Archery in 1978. 1978, Bear Archery moved to Gainesville. In October, and I've been in Gainesville since then. Basically, I moved back to Grayling for about a year, but I uh, have been in Gainesville, Florida that all that time. I started working for bear as pressing bows, pressed uh, traditional bows, and a few compound limbs at the time. Of course, it was the compound bow was just a, yeah. a baby at that time. and uh, But I learned how to press traditional bows, and when I moved to Florida, I trained a group here how to press bows, both compound uh, limbs and traditional bows here in Keynesville.
0: Now, for those of you who are listening and for those of you who are watching, we are sitting in Papa Bear himself's we office. Are, we are sitting in Mr. Bear's office. Does that's it, correct. Does that ever still like just seem
1: surreal? Now you're going to make me cry. Don't do that.
0: <laughs> uh, that's fine, dude.
1: Because um, when I walked in here, it was almost like, wow, like. You no, know, it makes me a little misty when I think about that kind of stuff. It's 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 a truly a blessing, uh, truly a blessing to be here this many years. But truly a blessing to be able to be sitting in his office and trying to um, uphold the candle, yeah. of whatever uh, all the all the stuff that Mister Bear did over the years.
0: And that's something that whether you shoot bear or not, like whether you care anything about bear archery, the archery industry wouldn't be where it's at if what happened in this office didn't happen in this office, like that's just to think about, like I I kept telling you, like when we were walking through there, like some of these people who are working here might not have any idea the legacy they're truly carrying on because like we, as an entire archery community would not be where we're at if it wasn't for what took place in this building. And that's just surreal to think.
1: I think when you look back at, you know, 1933 to 2023, 90 years where Mr. Bear started making leather goods on the side and then starting to make uh, bows hand-hewn and then introducing, you know, Production methods that increased the volume of bows that could be produced, and and then the support for conservation, support for hunting laws, the support to get hunting started with archery, and and all the other stuff that was uh, brought to the surface. And that Mr. Bear supported the actual videos and the in the in the movies that were created, and some of the hunts that he went on that inspired hundreds of people just like Mr. Bear was inspired on his, the, when he seen the African elephant hunt, uh, when the late 1920s, you know, that inspired him and it lit a fire under him. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the stuff that started it all. And to be able to walk through the factory and say, you know, um, do you recognize where, where you've been? I recognize it. I recognize, you know, for one, I love bear archery, but two, the people that are out there, how many families has Bear Archery, you know, supported over the 90 years that it's been in business. How many people work here currently? Currently in this location, we're about 120 people. Wow. And you were just telling me in the heart of COVID, you were over 200 people. Over 200, yeah. Wow. So it was, and so, you know, when you look at the people that were here, we have a numerous amount of people that are over 40 years, over 35 years, over 30 years, over 20 years, over 15 years. And so, uh, really, um, as some people understand what it's worked to, uh, like to work for a company that, you know, they can trust and that An has iconic a iconic company, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and you were, you showed me a couple people, and you're like, his dad worked for yeah. Mr. Bear, too. Like, that's
1: just. Yeah, We I introduced you to Mike Latimer. Yeah. Mike Latimer is Dick Latimer's son, of course. Dick Latimer was the president of AMO and then ATA, and uh, of course he wrote several books. I remember Papa Bear and you know a couple others, and of course he was Bear Archery's advertising marketing manager for a good number of years. He went on several hunts with Fred Bear uh, and documented them. and uh, uh, Very I can't iconic person that you know tried to keep uh, help help start the Fred Bear sports club when the sports club was in, 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 in its heyday. And, uh, just, uh, you know, having people like that involved. And then of course, having Mike work here helps, uh, carry on some of the tradition that we have.
0: So is it fair to say that you were Fred Bear's kind of last
1: student? Yeah, I would say, you know, that's a, to me, that's a blessing. I, I don't call it that. It's, you know, I, I, when you think back in, in, in the late 1980s, Mr. Bear passed in 88. In the, in the 86, 87, you know, I had a chance to go on a grouse haven hunt. And uh, I was like, I'm so busy here at the factory. I've got this to do and that to do. Um, and, you know, it just it was my focus to keep things rolling here. But, you know, Mr. Bear would stop out in the in the plant on a regular basis even, even late when he was close to his passing and would be out there and would just kind of do a, do a visual check. How are you doing? You know? Yeah. So it was always, it was always good to, to be able to, you know, have worked with him on the signature bow. I cherish those times. Um, I know, uh, I was able to work with my dad, uh, Mr. Bear and Bill Stewart. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, To have been able to learn from those individuals, Mr. Bear um, and the project, the signature bow, was just a phenomenal project for somebody that was 19 years old, 20 years old, to be able to have his fingers in that. And I'm sure I didn't do everything right, you know, (laughs) but they they let me learn on my own. You know, they didn't. You think you ever went home and thought, man,
0: stinking Neil messed up again?
1: (laughs) Well, I can tell you there is a. There is a, there is a, when we were doing the bow, there is a story about a, a a blue stripe bow. And, and I've told this numerous of times to, to friends and, and uh, fellow archers. And I was working on the signature bow and, and because it was only going to sell so many units and there was a request for, and it was going to sell for a thousand dollars. And there was a request for a hunting version of that because people still wanted to have this. And, of course, this is in 1981, 1982. And the compound had really surged uh, tremendously at that point. And so we took and he said, let's create a hunting version, do do some with black laminated wood and and some different colored stripes. So I made one with a green stripe, and I made one with a – with a blue stripe, and I made one with a brown stripe, and I finished them all up. They were all ready for paint, and I went up to Shirley Bonamy, who was his secretary, and says, "Mr. Barron, oh, no, he's out to lunch right now." And I said, "Well, let him know that those color samples are ready on my workbench in research and development." And uh, and then I went to lunch, and then so I came strolling back from lunch and walked into my work area, and Mr. Barron looked at the risers on it, and it was clear because on the blue striped one he wrote, no blue, FBB. So now we never talked about that after that, but we did choose the green stripe, and that was the birth of the green stripe that many people remember from the 80s. So, Did you keep the blue stripe riser? I did not. So um, that was, of course, Frank Scott was the curator of the museum. You know, stories lead on to stories, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so Frank Scott would generally take all these one offs or whatever, and he had people in the industry that he could sell them to. So what you didn't, you know, you just didn't hoard that stuff. You turned that into cash. So Frank Scott got a hold of somebody. And some people probably would know a guy named Al reader. and I didn't know this, but Al reader was sold this riser. And, uh, I was telling this blue stripe story to uh, a group of folks. Uh, at ETAR that, you yeah. know, that Mr. Bear wrote mm-hmm. that. And then, so I told it to it to, And then a, a, a guy that is L reader steps on Dave, um, the next year came and he says, Hey, can you tell me that blue stripe story again? And, uh, so I told him the story again and everything he goes, well, I got something for you. And he handed me in a black sock, a black, like little sleeve, the blue stripe handle with a note from him and his mother. And it was just, oh man. So I, it's in my possession now. I, I truly kind of gets me a little bit, uh, dewy in the eyes, you know, when I talk about that, but it's, uh, archery community is an awesome community.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. And that's why, like, when you talk about bear archery, you talk about the legacy that bear archery is in the archery community, whether you shoot a bear bow or not, like you have to respect what Bear has done, and and not only what Bear has done, but what Bear continues to do, because we talked about that. You know, when we were walking through there, you said, "Man, it was, it was Bear's main, it was Bear's main priority to make archery accessible to everybody, and that's what we want to continue to do." And you look at all these bow manufacturers across the map, and you're like, "But you're missing the kids, but you're missing the women, but you're missing the the elderly," and when you look at Bear Archery's catalog. I've said this many times, but when I opened Bear's new catalog for the year, I'm like, oh, there's a new bow for Tucker. There's a new bow for Harper. There's a new bow for Chrissy. There's oh, my dad can shoot that one. He, you know, he can't pull back a compound anymore, but they got a new, a new crossbow he can shoot. Oh, there's my new compound, you know? And so Bear is, is the, in my opinion, is the only company that is all inclusive. And so, you know, I've said it many times to people and, uh, you know, I told, I told John and Caleb this at ATA. I said, Hey, for what it's worth." I believe Fred would be proud.
1: I think uh, Bear Archery, uh, the current people that are in Bear Archery, try to uphold some of the things that uh, Mister Bear did, and and that was to make archery accessible to all individuals. In the early days, Mister um, Bear, you know, created a number of patents that were archery related, and some of them pretty, in today's age, uh, would stop a lot of people from being able to make archery equipment. And Fred Bear didn't hold those patents up to where people couldn't utilize them. He allowed them to use those because he wanted to grow the sport of archery. He wanted to make it accessible to everybody. And Mr. Bear actually, you You know. You got a good example of one of those patents? The fiberglass on a a bow. Really? The use of fiberglass on the bow. So where would traditional bows be without fiberglass on a bow yeah. today? You wow. would have hand-hewn bows. And, and I'm not saying they wouldn't be out there and that they're, there's not good equipment. Well, what I would say is there's a number of other ones that were created out there that he just didn't enforce. Now, we live in a different world today where, you know, you must protect your... Your assets yeah. um, and all that, but nonetheless, Bear Archery still maintains it's important important to us to make sure that we're making archery accessible to youth, to women, to all facets of life, young and old. Again, um, uh, right handed, left handed, uh, just yeah. different choices. You know, weights. You know, different poundages for people to pull and. And, of course, color choices. And um, and it's very important that we have product that supports that, you know, sights and quivers and, you know, paraphernalia that go along with shooting archery. You know, we don't manufacture anything, but we, we are an archery manufacturer that still manufactures traditional bows and compound bows in the same yeah. building here in Gainesville, Florida.
0: Which is one of the coolest places I've literally ever been into like, I'm not just saying like archery related. I'm saying like any place, (laughs) this place is incredible. Thank Um, you. And I've been told that by many people and I've been so anxious to get here and see it. And, uh, I, a, I want to thank you for your time and walking me through there, but B man, if you are, if you like archery at all, this is a place that like, as you're walking through there, you were showing me notes on machines from, from Fred bear himself. Yeah, you know, sticky note on there. If you want to use yeah. this machine, come check with me first. Like, yeah. and to see that amount of history, and you know, you you are walking me through machinery, and you're like, Fred designed this machine. Like the bo- the machines that we're still using to make the bows that you're shooting, Fred designed. And yeah, that's just from the bow
1: presses to some of the murals that were painted on the wall and back in 1978, 79, 80, to the dirt on the floor. All of it's real. It's yeah. it, it. all started with Fred Bear having a vision, and and for us um, to keep the the legacy alive, uh, keep bear archery alive, keep archery alive, being able to to provide individuals with um, products that uh, th- that meets their budgets. You know, we sell high end stuff, and we sell. You know, medium price stuff, and we try to meet everybody's budget. We try to make it accessible to everybody. And the quality of the product is very good, and bear archery stands behind its quality.
0: Well, I just don't know how people can – I don't know how you can pick up a bear bow and not just be filled with – I don't want to say pride. and I don't know. It's just like an overwhelming sense of legacy in your hands. It's not just a bow at that point, in my opinion. Um, And that's why I get such a negative – I get such a – I don't want to say hatred, but it's my pet peeve when, you know, people compare bear to other bows. And they're like, well, bear's not even in the same – and I'm like, well, the bow that you're talking about wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for bear. Like – and it's just such an. I mean, you're talking 90 years of history. And like you said, bear projected the archery – the archery world decades ahead
1: of where it should be. I mean, yeah, I don't know how you even put a, a overall worth on, on that, but you know, there's a lot of archery companies out there that do a lot of good work. I don't, I don't, don't, you know, I don't try to say, you know, anything bad about any of the other archery companies. I know that our consumer, the end user is the most important person to us. Our, our, Reputation with them, you know. Hopefully, we can please every customer that's out there. If they have an issue, we try to make sure that we make it right. And, you know, I, I really, you know, I understand where Bear Archery's at, uh, where it's at in the pecking order of of companies. Some may say we we're not we're not number one, but in my mind, we'll never be nothing but number one because of where we are. Do we make we make excellent product? We make quality stuff. We make a lot of stuff for the archer out there. We make, you know, stuff that undeniably is cutting edge. We, you know, Mr. Bear was a a marketer, a designer, an archer, (laughs) a promoter. I I mean, just simple things as far as. Well, where did he step out into? Not only did he step into archery and and all those fields, I mean, he was one of the leaders in Trout Unlimited, and a lot of people don't know some of those things. So he was an outdoorsman that loved archery, and he promoted it, uh, I would say, I don't don't know how somebody could have uh, lived a fuller life as far as promoting archery than what Mr. Bear did, because... You know, you think about it. He ran a factory for years. He went on hunting trips, and I'm sure he had a blast doing that. I'm sure he was motivated. Did you ever get to hunt with him? No, I did not ever hunt with Mr. Bear. And and I had the opportunity to hunt with him, and I was like, well, I got these bows. We, we, we're we launching the new line because hunting season, you know, we launch new product line when hunting season yeah. starts. And so, but, you know, I talked to Mr. Bear about hunting a number of times, and, But I also talked to Mr. Bear about, you know, the quality of products and, and motivating people and how to be on their better side and how to, you know, have a conversation with folks and how to get a judgment of, you know, maybe they're just passing through, but they, we need them to do a good job and we need to treat them like they're doing a good job and, and build, build a legacy on, on, you know, the product itself and the people um, you know, you talk about the equipment, Fred Bear designed the bow presses that we I showed you out there on the floor. And that same equipment, there's modifications for it. And Mr. Bear would have welcomed all those modifications. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's what I loved about, and I, I can't say loved because I wasn't alive, but that's what I love looking back at, at Bear. I mean, obviously, he was a traditional hunter. He's as traditional as they come. But he never shunned the compound. He never said, we're not making that because he realized there are some people who need this. He never shunned making crossbows. He never shunned advancements in the archery industry. In fact, he was the leader of advancements in archery. And some of those guys you know, who are super traditional and super tied down to their ways, they don't want to see change. That wasn't Bear. He understood, I can stay where I'm at with my recurves and my wooden arrows, but I can still help the archery industry push forward and advance. And that's what, for me, is just surreal because we don't we don't see that anymore it's my way or the highway you know it's i'm gonna make it i want to make it i'm not gonna make it anymore and you guys just released the adapt plus um which is a great bow i got to see some of them being made but immediately there are people commenting saying why in the crap make a single cam and i I just wanted so badly to comment back and say because some people want a single cam like we understand if you don't that's fine but some people do (laughs) like
1: yeah, I think you know every every bow that's out there um, has a place in the market. A one cam, a single cam, um, the the cam that basically doesn't make you aware of uh, timing. You know, it's like you don't have to worry about timing on that. Um, they're so the 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 cam systems are so sophisticated on knock travel and all that right now that the energy storage, you know, it's, it's just smooth shooting and, uh, you know, I mean, it's, I remember, I remember back several years ago in the mid eighties when, you know, somebody had, uh, we put wheels on the, on the cable guard and then years later, somebody comes up with a, you know, roller slide or cable guard and it's like, that was already invented. 20 years yeah, ago. So you're 20 years when behind you the when curve. you when you look at a one cam it was, you know, first it first was uh, introduced in the early 90s. You know, Bear Archery had the patent on the one cam and and you know, made thousands of one cams and people followed and and then were licensed and you know, the thing is, is there's a place for the one cam. There's a place for traditional bows. There's a place for binary cams. There's a place for two cams. There's a place for crossbows. The biggest thing is, you know, those places are for people that need them or need to use them. And at the end of the day, aren't we all trying to promote archery? Yeah. and make archery accessible to oh, everybody shouldn't we all be we should be we should i mean some that's people i kind. i kind of only see it from those eyes because i don't focus on what you know i focus on what we should be trying to do for the industry and yeah. not who's trying to not support the industry i want to be a focus on what's right for the industry
0: which don't get me wrong like i i understand and i appreciate brand loyalty i, I do i if you like shooting another bow and you're loyal to that brand, so be it. I, yeah. I mean, everybody in the industry makes a good bow these days. It's a Ford 150 or a Chevy Router yeah. or a Dodge yeah. Ram. You're you not.
1: Know. You're
0: not going to pick up a bow that's manufactured today and yeah. just not be a good bow. Yeah. You're not. You're not. They're all good bows. I understand brand loyalty, but I don't understand bashing other people because they come out with a single cam or because put a cable slide instead of a roller guard on it i, I don't get that yeah. and that's you know it was really when i started working closely with bear that that started offending me because i remember like the first year i started working with bear and we released the new bow and and people on you know just talk crap on it and i'm like well you know what that kind of makes me mad because my buddy ryan Schutz worked really hard on that like for a year and a half two years he was working on that bow that you're bad-mouthing like then you come here and you see all these hundreds of people working on that bow like you're not only saying like oh it's not a good but like you're taking away what all these guys worked for two years on yeah and that just
1: i'm not okay with that it's 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 tough it's tough when people say things that uh aren't necessarily correct oh 100 percent. and and the best thing to do is you know what um just make sure you have the support out there and and keep yeah. on pushing your product because everybody's entitled to an opinion. You know, I mean it's even a, if they're wrong. If <laughs> everybody's entitled to an opinion. The thing is, is you know, um for Bear Archery, ninety years is uh a lot in its own. And it's it's had a number of different owners. Uh, the current owners, Escalate Sports, owns Bear Archery and I tell you, um, they've been really good for bear archery. And, uh, you know, as far as setting a path and trying to, you know, keep the path. And one is making archery equipment available to everybody and holding costs. You know, you get, you have that, that adapt bow, adapt plus bow with those features at those costs is phenomenal. It's yeah. so a one cam that shoots yeah. really well, it's decorated well. It actually looks really nice. It has accessories on it that are impeccable. And it just is a, is a really, really nice package for the price. And that's one of the things that's accessible to all for a price. Yeah. And so, you know, it's pretty hard to um, argue for anybody to argue that that value is not there because that value is there. Yeah. Well, and that's what, you know, you look at bears,
0: quote unquote, midline or, or budget bows. Dude, the Legend XR I would put up against any flagship bow that yeah. costs. That's thousands. an awesome bow.
1: That's an the, awesome bow. The
0: Alaskan I would yeah. put up against yeah. any any bow you wanted to shoot
1: it against, I would put it up against. Yeah, they're they're obviously uh our product is geared for the hunter for the most part, but in in a hunting situation, those products are bar none really, really high quality products. Yeah for the value that you're getting with them. Well, I remember
0: when I got my wife's legend XR, I remember setting it up, shooting it and then being like, why in the crap wouldn't I spend 600 bucks on this bow? When I, I mean, g- gee, like I was just blown yeah.
1: away at, at what I got yeah. out of the box. Really, really nice shoot bow. And I think, I think our uh, sales have, you know, shown that, that, If somebody shoots it, they're like, wow. Um, Again, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get somebody to probably um, trade out if they're loyal to another company, which is fine. But at the same time, you know, we're trying to grow the archery base. And so moving, moving people that haven't shot archery or shot archery in the past or they're on a fixed income and they can't you know spend a thousand dollars on a on a bow only um and you know being able to provide that product that uh is for maybe a gun hunter that's really looking to you know get into the sport yeah and just really just think about it as growing the sport of archery and really just yeah i mean would i be happy if everybody shot bare i don't I think one of the things that keeps you honest is having some competition. That's okay. Yeah. You know, you, you really, you really need to, but again, you know, Fred bear didn't have a ton of competition and he was always pushing the envelope, new product, new product, new product. And, and if you look at our product year after year after year, we're making changes, we're making improvements. We're, and so a one cam, it's not the one cam of yesterday, It's uh, got features. It has features on it that are are better than one cams were several years ago. So we just keep on, you know, when you look at all those features and benefits, features and benefits for cost, uh, we want to make sure that the the customer is getting value for their dollar every time they go to the store. And they are like that. They 100% are. And that's
0: what. You know, I get that comment a lot, like, when I go on an elk hunt or, or whatever, people are like, man, I wish I could afford that. And I'm like, dude, you're holding a bow that cost, with all the accessories, 2500 bucks. Like, you could have easily bought a Legend XR, saved yourself $1,200, and go on an elk hunt. Like, yeah, yeah. And that's what, you know, I, I've gotten the pleasure of becoming good friends with Chuck Adams, and that's what he says, is like, I want to spend more time going on hunts, more money going on hunts, not on equipment. Like, so... Why not buy a bow that's going to, in the Alaskan is what he shoots, why not buy a bow that's going to kill anything I want to kill with it? Yeah. And and then spend more time and money going on hunts. Right. And that's what, you know, a lot of people have that negative mentality, that negative mindset about bears. Well, that's for beginners. Like, you start with bear and then you graduate to, to something yeah. else. And I'm like, really? Because Chuck Adams just killed two world records with his Alaskan. Yeah. yeah. In the back country of Alaska where he was there for 28 days and with a budget a budget bow might i add yeah how's it for beginners like yeah. people just and again that again like you said that's fine different strokes yeah. for different folks but don't yeah you don't have to put down other people along the way
1: yeah I, I look at the the whole conversation about budget product i look at it as uh value for features and benefits you know yeah. the value there what's the value what am i what am I going to spend? And obviously, I I would say Chuck Adams could shoot any bow that he wants to shoot, right? I mean, yeah, there's nothing holding him back on any of that stuff. And he's an honorable individual. He really gets things done when he's out in the field, and he's dedicated to that. Yeah. But you know, and and he could sh- he could shoot any bow that he wants. And and over the years, I'm sure he has. And what he's what he's shooting now is uh, some of our product. And and you know he he recognizes that it's a good shooting product. And I would say that it's always good to have people like that, that are um, out there shooting your product. And, you know, you benefit from that because uh, it isn't all about, I shoot the best or whatever it is. I mean, right. There's, 100% right. there's people out there that they see a Corvette, they want to drive it. They're never going to drive that Corvette, they're, <laughs> but they're going to drive, you know, something in the Chevy line or whatever it is. And so, You know, when you look at a brand like Bears and really, you know, how long have some of these other brands been around? they are not been around very long. And and hopefully they can stay around for a long time. But, you know, Bear Archery plans on being there whenever the end is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm trying to build the team, you know, that is here 50 years after I'm gone. Yeah. And that way, that way, somebody sitting in this
0: office going one day, this, this used to be Neil Bice's office.
1: Yeah.
0: And they get teary eyed because of the history that you, (laughs) that you carried on here. I mean, and, and I believe that's, that's true. Like I've, I've been told, and I'm not gonna tell you who it was, but I've been told that Neil Bice is the hidden gem of archery. Like he is
1: the guy that's continuing the legacy. I just want to do my part, you know. I think in you know, from a vision standpoint, um, in 1984, uh, Dick Latimer and Fred Bear and I were all out on the floor, and I ended up with my, and I and I consider this a great honor. And uh, you know, they tried to give me tools and stuff, but you know, I had my picture on the cover of the 1984 catalog as a young man with Mister Bear, you know, that one right there, that that one right there, and so you know, I didn't realize the value of that and, and you know, the the people that uh, helped me with some of my tools, but then the dedication to, to really yeah. understand, you know, um, what all that, what all that meant. You, you know, when you're young, you just, I want to get, yeah. get things done. Speak I want to get things done. Yeah, through it. Yeah, get me, get me to the, when I say the next level, I mean, like, let's get on to the next project, you know. Um, well, and some people, like, they miss that like they just yeah. i don't know if you've had the pleasure of meeting harvey bers
0: have you ever met harvey bers uh,
1: maybe not
0: uh he was one of the founding members of pope and young um right along there with fred mm-hmm. and served on the first boards with fred and hunted with fred a couple times and but he's the one that taught me how to shoot a recurve and i was taking all these pictures and you know with him and and people are like he's just an old man like and i'm like no you don't understand," like. When I'm an old man, I want to be able to look back and say, like, man, because he's, you know, he probably won't be with us much longer. I mean, he's 85 years old. Yeah. And I want to be able to look back and say, no, that's the guy that taught me how to shoot a bow. And, yeah. and that's the guy that, you know, founded the conservation organization that – not founded, I shouldn't say that. That'll offend people. That helped found the conservation organization that that protects us as bow hunters. Like, I want to be able to hold on to those pieces of history. Um like, I hate to tell you this, but you're going to have to take a picture with me after this. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, when I go shoot with Tom Clum, you know, in Denver, take a picture with him every time. And just because I want to be able to hold on to those moments because those guys are iconic in, in hunting, you know. And, yeah. And I want to be able to keep those and cherish yeah. those. And so I love the fact that you started working for Fred and now you're here. Like, yeah. in his office. Yeah. Carrying on the legacy. And that's what, you know, I've, I've gotten to hear so many stories about Fred and just his... Fun way of life, if you will. Yeah. Uh, especially from you know being in the Pope and Young organization, a lot of those guys run, run with him and yeah. ran with him, I should say. Uh. But Harv one they're time, all
1: storytellers. Yeah. Oh yeah, they are.
0: <laughs> Harv Harv showed me a postcard. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And it was a, a world record that Fred had killed. Well, Harv killed the world record four days before Fred did, and so he gets back home and he's unpacking everything and he gets a postcard. And it's a picture of Fred with that world record. And it says, not a giant, but will feed a hungry camp. But it had just taken his world record. And so he's got it hanging up there on his wall. And like, it's just that yeah. type of thing that like, I want to hold on to and cherish. Like, yeah. I want to, I want to keep and and remember. And, you know, anytime a buddy does something funny with that, I save it because I'm like, what if one day, you know, that guy's no longer with us. I want to hold on to those memories. Yeah. And so, man, I, I cherish, I admire what you do here.
1: I I really do. Um, it's fun. I mean, I, I I really, really, you know, there's, you know, I was able to take you through the facility and, and show you some of the stuff out on the floor, but there's so many hidden treasures inside of this facility and inside people. Yeah. And knowing people, you know, like your friend that you mentioned there and, you know, the archery community itself, um, the archery community itself is phenomenal. Oh, my gosh, yes. It yes really it is. is. Guys,
0: I'm an arrow junkie. I love arrows. And I have found a fondness for deer crossing archery. Everybody makes a good arrow. I'm not saying that anybody out there makes a bad arrow. But what really sets deer crossing archery apart is when I call them, I'm going to get, A, the owner on the phone. I'm going to get the guy that's building my arrows on the phone. And I'm they're going to walk me through a complete custom build. They're not shipping me a box of arrows that they ship out to everybody. I'm going to pick my knot colors, my fletching colors, my wrap colors, the fletching configuration I want on the arrows. Not only that, I'm going to walk him through my setup. I'm going to walk him through what I'm looking to get out of the setup. I'm going to tell him total arrow length I want to be hitting, total arrow weight I want to be hitting, total uh, insert-outsert weight I want to be hitting, FOC, and he's going to custom build a set of arrows and send them to me. My arrows aren't going to be best for you. Your arrows aren't going to be best for me. We need custom arrows. Deer Crossing Archery builds those arrows custom for you, and they always perform. Their silencer shaft is my favorite arrow on planet Earth. I've shot 40-plus animals with that arrow. It always performs. It always blows through the animal. I always get great penetration. It's a micro-diameter shaft. They do have a full line of shafts. Uh, The new rupture arrow is a phenomenal arrow. I shot a deer with it this year in Missouri. I love their arrows. Guys, I would highly encourage you to check out Deer Crossing Archery because you don't have to go to a box store and buy a set of arrows that are just made from the factory. You can get arrows custom made for you that are going to work best for you and your setup. Guys, use code HUNTING101 to get a discount at Deer Crossing Archery. I would highly encourage you to check them out. They are phenomenal. So let's let's debunk some some myths here. Okay. Because I've toured the factory. I saw where the risers were made, where the limbs were made, where the cams were made. Saw all that. Um, so, Bear Archery is made right here in, in Gainesville, Florida. In Gainesville, Florida. Where, I mean, I didn't want to come here just because the Gators. I'm like, I don't want to be around. Man, the first thing I see when I roll into town here is Tim Tebow. and I'm like, guys, get over it. He's gone. But... uh <laughs> I saw a billboard yeah. of him. I'm like, guys, oh. he's long. Anyways, yeah. uh, made right here in Gainesville, Florida. Yeah. Um, USA made.
1: How many years have you been here in Gainesville? You said it's 1978. So 1978. So that's to what. Now. That's fifty. That's uh that's five what, years. It's like
0: 45 years. 45. See, so you're better at math than me. Yeah. That's why. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so 45 years. 23, made,
1: 28, 45. made yeah. right here. Yeah. In Gainesville, Florida. Yeah, it's been here longer than it was. Actually, anywhere, in, in, in any other location. And, and you know, uh, being a native of Michigan, that's where I grew up. I was born in Flint and moved to Grayling in 1967 and graduated from there and moved there. And I still vacation there. I still have some family up there, and I love love that whole area up there. But and they're putting in a know, Fred Bear statue. Yeah, we, they are. And Bear Archery is donated to that cause. Yep tried to be as supportive as possible. There's a lot of people that are supporting that. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. Just so uh, you guys, if uh, you, you want to support
0: if you want to support that, uh, Pope and Young is doing a match. So anything that, that you donate, Pope and Young is going to match. So if you want to donate to the Fred Bear statue, uh, just go to pope-young.org. You can donate, and uh, Pope and Young is going to match whatever.
1: Yeah, it's going to be so. a full bronze statue. It's yeah. going to be in the city park and grayling and – It's a really cool location, and, uh, you know, it uh, will be a a really fine tribute to Mr. Bear.
0: So before we get into the history – or not the history, but the logistics of of how all these bows are made, walk us through the history of how Grayling to Gainesville and Evansville and kind of – because I get that question all the time of like, well, I thought they were in Evansville, or I thought it was
1: Grayling, Michigan, or I thought – so how is it – how did it land here and come from there and – so I'll give you the nickel tour on that. So originally bear archery started in 1933 in Detroit, Michigan, had a couple different locations in Detroit, moved to Grayling, Michigan in the late 40s, okay, and was in Grayling from that date in the late 40s to 1978. In 1978, uh, it moved from uh, Grayling, Michigan, Michigan to Gainesville, Florida. In 1967, Fred Bearer sold to Victor Comptometer Corporation, uh, and he still was retained as CEO of the of Archery, and and then uh, in the early 70s, uh, Kitta Corporation merged with uh, Victor Comptometer, and then in 1980, no, excuse me, 1978 because of the invention of the compound bow and some uh, labor issues that they had in Grayling, they decided to move. And and, uh, because they didn't have enough space where they were at to sustain the compound uh, market there, they had to build a new building and they decided to move. And so they moved to Gainesville, Florida, off of Archer Road on Fred Bear Drive, um, and uh, bought 33 acres here in Gainesville and built this building. And then So it's 155,000 square foot and it's a brand new building.
0: And it's all there. It's all (laughs) here.
1: Yeah. So, (laughs) excuse me. And then um, in uh, 19, in the early 80s, uh, Hanson Industries purchased Bear Archery from Gitta Corporation, and then in the 1990s, mid-1990s, Hanson sold to USI, which was a conglomerate of the US uh, Hanson individuals, and they bought. And then they sold within about a year and a half to Fenway Partners. Fenway Partners owned us until about 1999 and sold to Palmer Industries. And in 2003. Um, Escalade Sports bought Bear Archery. So Bear Archery has been owned by Escalade Sports for 20 years now, just this last June. So so that gets us to Escalade Sports. Escalade Sports was originally Indian archery, but it's mm-hmm. Escalade Sports. And so there was a heritage of archery, and they wanted to get into archery again. And so bought Bear Archery and all of the um, synergies of accounting and all that are in the Evansville area and uh, some of the, uh, the product managers and designers are in Evansville and uh, the general manager, John Linne and our sales staff is in Evansville. So everything in Gainesville is manufacturing and purchasing and shipping everything in Evansville uh, at our bear archery location in Evansville is our general manager, our Salesforce, our order entry, our design engineering team, our marketing, uh, and our product managers. So clearly we work well from a distance, but basically we're the you want to keep some of those guys at a distance. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say that. Um, I like working, I like working with all of them. I think we actually have a pretty good crew and, uh, you know, I like working with John and Jeff and Ryan and James and, and David. And those guys are a pretty good group and Caleb, Caleb Sorrels. Um, you know, all those guys are pretty good guys to work with and, uh, pretty good. Yeah. We, we, we have, we, we have mutual respect for each Decent. other, you know, so <laughs> doesn't mean we don't give each other the evil, evil yeah. eye every now and then, but, uh, we keep, we try to keep each other straight and make sure that we're still keeping archery, uh, and some of the, the factors that Fred bear created then and years ago that, you know, make it available to everybody and, uh, really trying to keep that serious. And, but at the same time, have a good time working with everybody yeah. and build a good family, build a good family.
0: So with bear archery being in grayling, what makes the grayling green, you know, what it is like, what, what really set that off?
1: Yeah, well, you know, when we called it the Grayling Green, I'm I'm sure it was just like um, uh, several other things. So I'll give you a couple examples. So, Bear Archery had green glass, and it was something that we were like, okay, so what can we do to bring back a product um, that would be representative of uh, some of our history? And obviously, in I think it was in 2012 uh, that we came out with a grayling green uh super kodiak and uh you know it was it was a big hit for us we use uh african babanga hard ones but we brought back the grayling green glass we went and looked at a green bow and obviously in the years over the years there were several different greens that was produced by bear archery but we picked one that was from 1965 and so that bow was the first one that had the triangles in the in the bow itself. Uh, I don't have one here. I have one in my office next door. Um, but anyways, uh, is a beautiful bow. And uh, you know, since then we've been using the green glass uh, on and off. So, but and you know, another one is you know when you when you don names like that, like Grayling Green. Well, it's representative of where it was created. Yeah. And I it's a and it's sure. a piece of history and it's nostalgic, you know, yeah. and it's something that people like to see. It's desirable. And so that's one of the reasons that we brought back the Grayland Green and then uh, like the like the 59 Kodiak when the Kodiak was designed in 1959, nobody called it the 59 Kodiak. They just called it the Kodiak. Yeah. And it wasn't until years after, well, that was one of the best shooting bows and, and that Mr. Bear did. And and it wasn't, it was an iconic year. You think that's still the best shooting recurve you can hunt with? uh, I mean, it's, it's a, the takedown is, is, you know, this is all shooting preference, but light in the hand, easy to shoot that it is. Yeah. Um, but again, you know I love shooting that bow. I mean, I'm pretty accurate with that. How boat.
0: many? You said uh, where'd that one bow go? Right there. Yeah. How many? How many arrows you say you have on that bow right there? Over twenty thousand. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's still going. What yeah. year
1: was that made? That was made in two thousand and twelve. You done a lot of shooting. A little bit. <laughs> I don't shoot like I used to shoot. I'm getting older in age and a lot of projects that we want to complete and everything. But, you know, the 59 Kodiak at that time, it was an iconic year. That's the first year that Bear Archer used exotic uh, woods from overseas in their bows. And it was the first year that the Bear Medallion was actually placed in the bow. Really? So it's a 59 was an iconic year. Well, and Man. just so
0: people know, like... I I told somebody the other day they're like hey should I buy this bow they sent me a picture I'm like yeah that's a 59 Kodiak and uh, they said this bow was not made in 59 and I'm like that nah, you're missing the point like it's not I'm not saying it's a Kodiak from 59 it's
1: the design from it's the design 59. from 59 yeah
0: and I said it might be a 2012 but it's right. a 59 Kodiak yeah and uh, and so
1: that's kind of yeah. Yeah, we call it the Kodiak, but everybody else called it the '59 Kodiak, and and we refer to it as that by, by all means, and and we've even used that in a lot of the marketing. But right. it clearly is a sweet shooting bow. Yeah, yeah, yeah Chris, I put it right up there with a takedown.
0: Yeah, Chris Perino says that's the best hunting bow you could ever have. Yeah, you listen to Chris? Not
1: really. He's a good shot. And he's Take an excellent hunter. Take everything with a grain of salt. No, I like Chris. He's a good friend. <laughs> Chris is a good guy.
0: Yeah. No, he he is. He probably, I don't know, man. Like, if you just think of, like, if I need to send somebody out and kill something, I'm probably choosing Chris. He like, can, he just kills yeah, stuff.
1: Yeah. He's he's in the same uh, mindset of folks like, uh, you know, um, Chuck Adams and yeah. Fred Eichler. They just have a different level. They just, they like just, they just. I'm going to go get this done. Yeah. And they don't quit until they do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: you know, and, and I've been told, like, so I actually get to go on a hunt with Chuck this year in oh. December. That's awesome. And I've been told from people like, It sucks to hunt with Chuck. Like you're not gonna enjoy it. And I'm like, What do you mean? And they're like, because dude don't play. Like you don't you know, he's not like, Oh, let's head back and play some poker tonight. He's you know, he comes in after dark and he leaves before dawn and you don't see it. like he just hunts. Yeah. And it's that different type of just second gear where they kill me. Start more doing stuff.
1: stairs now you yeah.
0: know well no. this is a whitetail hunt <laughs> whitetail hunt so i'll be i need to start climbing ladders <laughs> yeah. i guess uh oh. but we're both gonna hunt with recurves
1: no you yeah, yeah that's yeah. gonna be a privilege for you but uh you know that's a that's a once in a lifetime thing you got to value those as oh, 100 yeah
0: 100 <laughs> percent. well that's what uh i'm actually my dad's gonna come it's, it's in oklahoma not far from where i'm Super. at in arkansas and so uh-huh. my dad's gonna come up and and see us for a day and he's He's like a little girl when it comes to Chuck. That's like, awesome. You know, he shot like the same bow for like. <laughs> Not that he's just like yeah. a little girl. I'm talking yeah. about that
1: he gets on with Chuck.
0: <laughs> he shot the same bow. He shot the same 94 game getter for like, until yeah. like 2007. I'm like, Dad, you know they make new bows, right? And he's yeah. like, yeah, but this was the best bow ever because Chuck yeah. shot it. And I'm yeah. like, no, nah, Dad. Like, yeah. you know, he's far on to something else now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I actually, so at the Pope and Young convention, I went over to Caleb and I said, hey, I need a grizzly. And, uh, he said, yeah, what's your one. And so I FaceTime my dad and I said, Hey dad, I just picked you up a bow from, from Baird. And, uh, and he's like, Oh dude, are you serious? That's so cool, man. Oh dude, I'm going to, I can't wait to shoot that. And I said, well, you might not want to shoot it. And he said, well, why not? I said, cause I might have this guy and I'm the camera I might have him sign it for you. And he, he just goes, Oh my gosh, <laughs> holy cow. And so he sat there and signed it. Uh-huh. And, and, uh, my dad said on the phone. He said, "Chuck, I used to want to be just like you, dude. Yeah. I used to want to be you until I read your book and figured out how hard you hunt. Now I don't want to be like
1: you." <laughs> yeah. How much do you have? How much? Should, that's kind of, uh, you know, that's kind of the same thing that you know when you look back in Fred Bear's life when he when he started his company when he started doing all the marketing, he'd be in the facility. All week long. You know he worked late hours. Mm -hmm. And then he'd be jumping in an automobile. I mean he lived in northern Michigan in the forties and fifties. It was not the best roads and everything. And then he'd drive to New York or Ohio or Pennsylvania or on the weekend. And then be back on sometime early in the week and back pushing the you know, envelope on design and marketing, and here's what we need to do: going and staying in people's homes, and uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm sure that there was a certain amount of enjoyment in all of that, but also it had to be painstakingly, you know, wearing on the body and the on the mind, and just, you know, driven, He had to be driven, driven, yeah. and and in those hunts and all that stuff that Chuck has done. That Chuck Adams has done is he's driven. He's driven to, yeah. you know, I gotta, I gotta make this happen.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what like, you know, people, you know, he just killed that new world record Sitka blacktail, and people are like, well, yeah, if I got to hunt for a living, I could do it too. And I'm like, well, he did spend 29 days in Alaska in a tent alone to do that. Like, yeah. He killed it on day 28.
1: Like, you know what that's called? That's called just fortitude, grit, because you. <laughs> you know people don't people don't realize how much energy it takes to really make something like that happen yeah no they don't it's yeah. a
0: lot so you mentioned <clears> throat> moving throat> here to Gainesville um, yeah. because of the introduction of compounds and just the explosion of that over your time in the outdoor industry and in the archery industry and in the archery making world what has been the biggest innovations you've seen like that truly changed
1: the course of archery forever? Well, you know, I, I think uh, when I think back of some of the things that I've seen, um, you know, um, we had the Delta V, which was a bow that we did in '83 that was super fast and super loud, and it had modules on it, and it changed, you changed the draw length by the modules, unscrew them and screw another with draw length on. I think that in itself. I'm sure that it wasn't the very first situation out there, but it was a true draw length change just by switching the modules, not by adjusting the slot in the cam Mm -hmm. or something like that, or changing your pigtail length on a cable or something like that. And, uh, or changing the actual cam size itself. I think that was a big piece. And then I I also think that, you know, us, uh, Bear Archery, um, purchasing the patent, from Matthew's, uh, from, uh, from the owner of Matthew's and then, um, basically making it a bow that really shot well. And then, then moving the industry because it changed the, I think it, the development that bear archery put into that, that made it a really nice shooting bow and everybody was shooting them. Um, everybody was shooting them. Um, and we were, you know, at that time we were winning all the tournaments and everything. We had a really fine, uh, pro staff, um, for several years. And then, and then that in itself, the one cam in itself, the design, the, the shootability of the, of the one cam and the ability to, um, put modules on those one cams and just the, the growth in, in the industry changed the designs of cams. I think forever where from off of the one cam came the, you know, the binary cam and, um, nonetheless, uh, that was still part of the patent issue. Um, and so everybody was licensed by bear. I think it was a time when, uh, you know, that was pretty, pretty, um, uh, clear that uh, one cams dominated the market uh, from a change from where they were. It was a significant. It was a significant change in cam design, and and then the other piece was in in the compound market. The other piece was uh, there's still a lot of uh, inexpensive or less expensive risers that are cast and then machined. Mm-hmm. And they're more complicated today than they ever were. But the the, the machined riser, the machine riser allowed, you know, people to, to come up with a design that uh, really changed changed the industry. So the machined fully machined riser and I believe the the Bear one cam that Bear Archery had.
0: Was there ever a time where you sat in a meeting and they're like, "This is what we need to try," and you're like, "That's the stupidest idea I've ever heard," huh. but then it changed. You know, it, it was
1: revolutionary in the long run. Well, I think there were there were. I mean, if you was in the meeting with the the Delta V, there was a guy named George Trotter who was the inventor of the Delta V, and his his original design was. You know, you're like looking at that saying, there is no way." You look at that original, then you see the final product. You know, uh, it was a engineering uh, success to design and have that bow the way it was. It was loud, and I think the industry couldn't get over it at the time. And it probably still would be loud if it was designed exactly like it was. But at the time, you know, a bow the when they did ratings at the time, it was. You know, the ratings were way different than what they what they are now, as far as arrow speed. But it was 245 foot per second out of the box, which was totally unheard of. And that was yeah. just uh, you know, that was nine grains per pound when they were shooting those speeds. So, 30 inch, 60 pounds, nine grains per pound, 245 foot per second was just phenomenal at the time. Yeah. So, so, but it was super loud. And then there's other things I can remember. Um, at one point us having the ability to maybe look at whisker biscuit before it was whisker biscuit and people looked at it and said, nah, I can't have that. Now bear archery ended up buying Carolina mm-hmm. or Escalade sports bear archery ended up buying Carolina archery in 2006. And of course that's, you know, everybody knows the whisker Biscuit. So that. That arrow rest was a huge success from day one. Still. So, is, yeah. Yeah. Still from day is. one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and that's what, so let me just, Let's debunk a, a myth about the whisker biscuit. Okay. Because a lot of guys still think, like, oh, it's going to change my arrow flight, or oh, it's going to be inconsistent, or oh, I'm to have to change it out every, you know, X amount of shots because it wears down. Yes. In the old days, those brushes were stiffer, and when your veins come through it, it might throw them off. But now those those whisker biscuits are so well-made yeah. that I've never worn one down, and I shoot heavy arrows. Yeah. Um. And I've, you know, I've tuned four fletches through them. I've tuned three fletches with an incredible right helical and, I, you know, shoot them out to 80 yards, 90 yards, 100 yards, and they shoot just fine. Like, so that's something that I think a lot of people still have negative mindsets about because, you know, they used to be made and the brushes were real stiff and, but now they're not that way
1: at all. I, I think when we first uh, started looking at it, we, you know, we, our initial thoughts were that the whisker biscuit slowed the arrow down. There was a lot of drag. But when, you, when we did some, you know, if the arrow's set up right, you did some performance testing that the difference was between two and three foot per second. But the, the thing that it did for the arrow also is it took out some of the wobble and it actually made the person more accurate. Now... You're shooting, if you have a lot of hand movement and stuff like that, when you're in your shot, it might influence your arrow a little bit more than shooting off a, like a like a tournament rest or something like that. Yeah. But all that other stuff is even true that, with any of the other rests. Even
0: that, my yeah, my argument for that yeah. is, so if you have a drop away yeah. and that drops away and doesn't touch it at all, even from the time my arrow leaves the whisker biscuit, it's like 0. 0.00004 yeah, it's seconds like It's enough. really hard to twitch your hand yeah. in that amount yeah. of time so like Right. Yes, I mean if it could happen but I've just never well, I, I can't
1: shoot the difference uh, nobody yeah, can probably yeah. shoot I mean you put Levi Morgan up there maybe he can but um I think in when you're in a hunting situation and I think I think the hunters really the the hunters the everyday hunter Really answered the question. Otherwise, I don't think it would have been as popular as it yeah, has been. For sure. And that as is, is I'm up in my stand or I'm in my ground blind and I have my arrow knocked and I'm hanging. It's hanging there. I don't have to worry about when I go to click my re- release on or grab with my fingers if I'm shooting fingers or whatever it is about my arrow falling off the arrow rest. Yeah. In whatever a high wind or even you know your if it's hanging there or if you're holding onto your bow, I think it adds. Security and and all that in in all real in all reality like any arrow rust if it's arrow and bow tuned correctly it's virtually no effect on the arrow at all. Well, and the reason I like the Whisker Biscuit um,
0: above all else, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what made me switch. I, and don't for all you haters out there saying, well, why don't you try a drop away? I shot a drop away for the better part of nine years, and I had David Blanton on the podcast. This was probably, I don't know five years ago. Mm-hmm. And he said, try it for one year. And if you don't like it, I'll personally buy you another drop away so you can go back to shooting a drop away. I said, okay. And in that one year, I never had a tuning issue. Never had a speed issue. Never had any kind of, but not only that, I was also on a hunt in Oklahoma on a pig hunt in Oklahoma and I broke a rest. I was running through the woods and, and, um, hit it on a tree, broke a rest. Had that been a drop away, I couldn't have fixed it in the field. You can't you don't have a bow press to take it off and retie it, drop away in. That, and then you got to time it. You got to, you know, you got to set up your bow again. Sure. Whereas I can keep a drop, a whisker biscuit in my backpack that's set up perfectly for that bow. I just bolt it on. I'm ready to keep hunting because nothing's changed. Yeah. That for me is the biggest issue. Yeah. Or the biggest um, benefit yeah. is yeah. I can change it right in the field and keep yeah. hunting. I don't have yeah. to take anything apart. I don't have to retime it. I don't have to, you know, make sure it's it's good to go.
1: Yeah. So that's for yeah, me. And if you're hard on your equipment, you need to be able yeah. to plan on that stuff.
0: You mentioned clipping Accidents your release. Accidents
1: happen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's why I went to shooting a recurve. <laughs> okay. Less can happen. <laughs> yeah. um, but you mentioned clipping your release on. I think that's one thing that, and of course I wasn't alive to see the change, but that's one thing that I really think revolutionized compound is, is the release aid. Absolutely.
1: I mean, before the release, I mean, you were still using your fingers and you had a lot of – um You know, tension high or tension low, or or bad release or whatever, and you can still get a bad release off of a release, but it's only a one point contact when you are doing that, and especially if you are using D loop, right? Right. I think releases when I first started using a release, it was still connect around the string and and all that, slide it up against the rock, yeah, yeah, Yeah. or a loop rope, you know, around it, and and uh, so, but the releases, I I noticed the difference when I went to that, how much you know, more accurate. It just made the shot, um, you know, a lot more accurate for me. You know, it took out, it, it allowed me to focus on, you know, five attributes of shooting that, you know, I want to have my, my body position, right. Mm -hmm. I want to have my arm hand position, right. I want to draw to the same point every time. And I want to be able to execute by the draw you know, by pulling through and, and yeah. executing the shot the same way, you know, and if you really if you take and practice, you know, if you line out five or seven principles of each shot that you can do every time and just focus on those, even if you're hunting, you know, because in the hunting situation. A lot of times you're not thinking about a single thing about how to execute a shot correctly. And if you can build that, you know, into what you do, um, because stuff happens no matter what you do, right? So if you you can practice those five or seven things, it really makes you a better archer. Well, and people that have never shot traditional
0: or weren't alive for the finger days, they don't get how much you can change just, I mean. Oh, yeah. I can change my draw length half an inch if I just let my fingers out
1: or if I pull my finger, right. curl my finger. I mean, you can change so much. If you're in a tree stand, you're aiming down yeah. or if you're aiming and out. You put more, yeah. You know, however, I mean, your body position is can change people, all of that. People
0: have, that have never tried traditional archery or like I said, we're alive. For, they don't get that. Mm-hmm. They don't understand how much that
1: truly changed, revolutionized shooting a bow. Yeah. Really helps. It really helped. Uh, Releases are phenomenal. You know, you can you can say it's a handheld release, or it's a wrist wrap release, or it's a single jaw or a you know double jaw. Yeah. You know all those features. You have so many options even in that in that field. Uh, Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Absolutely, it is. Um, so we got off on a on a couple rabbit holes made right here in the United States. Yep. All of bear archery. Yep. Um, walk well, me through, yeah, we make the compounds here and, uh, all the, all the ones that are in the legend series and we make all of our main line here. Yeah. So, and of course the traditional bows that you see in the catalog, uh, all of the, uh, adult traditional bows we make here in the U S Yep, so right here in this factory.
0: Walk me through the process, a compound goes through, and I know that's a big process, but just generally
1: speaking. What's the process that a compound goes through to be made? So if we talk about the Alaskan that uh, Chuck Adams uses, okay, so we, we mold those limbs. We take spools of fiberglass. We draw the... the the material the fiberglass down through a resin bath we wrap it and then we put it in a mold like that that maybe blew my mind more than anything we put them in a mold and and form the shape and then we do some light machining and some post curing which uh makes the limb uh as durable it is as it is and then we machine it fully for the axle holes and the tip and the limb butt length. Then we do QC inspection on it. Then we, then we, uh, you know, we uh, scuff the surface up with tumblers to so that we can, you know, paint them. And then we, if we dip the limbs, we powder coat those. And then we do hydrographics in different, different colors. Or if we use a solid color, we use a, a powder coat that's a really hard, tough, durable material and that's the limbs we do a, we use an inkjet to put color graphics on the limbs to identify the model of the bow and everything and then on our cams we bring in 12-foot bars we cut them up into machine lengths put them on a machine you literally we,
0: showed me like a yeah. palette of like big yeah metal and you're like those are going to be your cams and right like, no way you Yeah, some, the process. some
1: of them you know they start with uh you know maybe three quarter inch thick That we start with and some is three-eighths inch thick depending on what bow model goes on but we cut them up into machine links and then we machine them fully and then we tumble them and then we send them to an anodizer to put the the anodization on them and some of them we engrave our markings on them and some of them on the cnc and a lot of them now we actually put them on a laser and and laser mark the cam so that you know where the adjustments the draw length adjustments are and then the risers uh some of them are cast and some of them are fully machined so the cast comes in raw casting and we machine the casting and and uh we powder coat and dip those just like we do the limbs and then uh you know and then the fully machined ones they come in in just a block a forged block and we fully machine that our execute is a fully machined uh out of a forged blank and uh, fully machined. So those are all made in in in-house here. Um, And uh, of course, we don't make the aluminum here and we don't make fiberglass here, but we mold fiberglass limbs here. So uh, there is one we do a few bows that uh, we do by glass billets, uh, pultruded glass billets, and uh, we do grind them on our CNC. So we machine those here and we do all the colorization or, or hydrographics, uh, camel processes here, or the colors. We do all that here, and the labeling here, and then of course we assemble all that here, and we ship from here. So that's the compound. Uh, so for story. all you
0: people who want to shop made in the USA, you yeah. can't get more made in the yeah. USA than that. Yep. I mean, I saw 100%. the process. Yep. I mean, I, uh, I, it was insane to see. You literally showed me metal blocks and said, that's going to be your bow. And I'm like, yeah. dude, you're, you're not, you in squirrel yeah. turds. Yeah. And then he walked me through there and I'm like, that's, that's my bow. Like, that's where it's going to be. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was crazy cool. Yeah. And just the amount of like, and it goes back to exactly what you said earlier. Bear is not only changing the archery industry, but you're, you, you are just in this facility, you are hiring 120, 150 you know, in the heat of things, 200 people a year. And those are the people you're supporting by shopping made in the USA.
1: Yeah. We really, you know, when you say made in the USA, you're supporting USA workers. And, uh, you know, we, we have to be honest, we do import some things. Some of our stuff is imported, but you know, as far as the industry goes, our compound bows and, uh, um, our traditional bows are all manufactured here in the U S here in Gainesville, Florida. Made in the USA. So even if you hate the Gators, you got to shop. Well, it's hard, you know, coming from Michigan, you know, I know. (laughs) I'm speaking to the USA here. Uh, You know, I was a Wolverine fan for years. I still am. Uh, But it's hard not to be a Gator living in the core area of Gainesville here. You know,
0: I was born and raised a Razorback. Yeah. Uh, Still am. Yeah. But the thing about being a Razorback is we don't have any – any rivalries because we suck at everything. So I don't have to worry about it.
1: No, no, (laughs) they, they actually have, they have the, some of the sports teams are doing pretty good. Yeah. So, so really, and, and I, I enjoyed
0: seeing the compounds. I'm not saying that, but what blew my mind was the traditional bows because traditional bows are a work of art. I mean, if you look at each one of those, like there's just something special and unique about each one of them. Um, and I sent a video clip to one of my buddies of the facility, and he said, are you seriously telling me every bow is handmade? And I said, I am. Like, yeah. there's not one bow that is just coming out, and
1: you yeah. guys. So we, you know, there's a, I mean, until you see it, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of the methods that bowyers are using out there are the same methods that Fred Bear. You know, developed developed yeah 50, 60, 70 years ago. Again, this is a ninety year old company, right? Um. So, but talking about bear archery, you know, we start with wood. It's some of it's imported from Africa, some of it's imported from South America. You know, purple hearts from South America, is from Africa, bobengas from Africa, uh, macassar ebony's from the Indonesian area. Um. You know, Bolivian rosewood. Um, is from, uh, from South America, you know? Um, and then of course we use maple and, uh, we use some impregnated maple. That's, you know, some of it's dyed green, some of it's dyed black or dark gray or gray. And, uh, so we use, and we use some man-made materials like, uh, my Carter phenolic. Um, so, you know, and there's other stuff we use, but those are, those are some of the, materials that we use and uh, basically we'll take a plank that might be you know 8 quarter which is over 2 inches rough sawn and we'll you know it might be the board when we get it might be 10-12 foot long and 10-15 you know, inches wide you know and we'll saw it and plane it and get it down to a workable length cut it up into a shape make a riser section to where it just looks like a piece of block with different laminations in it and then we'll Side sand, or, or we'll sand it on a template. We'll cut it out, we'll into a basic riser shape, and and uh, sand side A and side B, and then if it's uh you know uh, the 59 is like really complicated right because it's an i-beam construction so you glue three pieces of wood just to get your basic handle then you cut it out sand side a and b then you laminate a purple heart edge band on both sides of it and then you re-sand that before you're ready to feather it to put it in a press and then so the table sanders are the same table sanders that we were used that were used in grayling michigan and and a few of the other pieces of equipment that we have were used in Michigan. You know, the the presses that we mold the bows on, those presses were designed by Fred Bear. And, yeah, again, I said earlier, you know, we made some modifications to the heat and the electrical on it, but some of the hydraulic on it. But basically those are the same forms. And we use an airbag type of. You know, system with heat to aid in how quickly we can push those through the presses. You know, they all spend about an hour and a half in the form. But then, you know, like a takedown riser, we glue those up into the shapes and colors and then we sand them and put them on a Richardson and it gives us the basic grip shape. And then we cut the shelf on a, we do cut the arrow rest shelf on a CNC machine now. So it goes in there. It gives us a rough shape. But then we, and then they just go through Sanders. Everybody, you know, we have what five sanders that the bow goes through to get it down to where it's close to. And when you say sanders, finished. you don't
0: mean it goes into a machine and it sands no. it. I mean, I walked through there, and a guy was sanding this part, handing yeah. it off. He yeah. was sanding the next part. Right, guy was, you know, uh sanding the the string path, and right. I mean, just right. when
1: we say sanders they're sanders that are moving and the person's holding the part and they're right. rubbing it up against the sander and, and shaping it, help forming it. So every one of them is handmade by uh, these folks that work out in our facility out there. And, and uh, then they get, you know, cable lined up and they find the center and they, they angle those down with a cable still on it and hand cut them out and they're all handmade. And then you know once they're they're finished and ready for paint they're all hand sprayed we hand yeah. spray every Saw one that of that too and then we serialize them they're all hand written serial numbers and we use a silk screen somebody's applying the silkscreen screen to each limb individually and then they do the upper limb on one pass and they'll do the lower limb on another pass and it has to be set up different so for all you thugs
0: that reach out and say, "I ordered my bow seven days ago. Where's it at?" Give them some time. They're hand making it.
1: <laughs> they're all handmade. So, and uh, you know, so it it does it does give you a lot of pride when you see some of the luster and the wood and everything. Oh because my gosh, you know, some what kind of, these, of wood what is this here? That is curly maple that I stained. That is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I used a curly maple and then a dark stain, and it would look. That's what it looks like without stain. And then, of course. You would say, you know, it just looks like tiger stripe on it, right? So yeah. it's beautiful. Um, and and then once I stained it, excuse me, once I stained it, then I I did a real light pass through a, a, a surface a table a yeah. sander that it would actually just skin off the light brown off of the.
0: I'm a little bitter because I got to walk through there and see some color samples. And I'm like, yeah. that's the sexiest bow I've ever seen. Oh, you've seen that one, didn't blind? you? Yeah, the green and black yeah. one. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but. What? Green and black. Oh, green and black. What's that?
1: Yeah. Oh no, that's not in the cards right now.
0: (laughs) Um, but no, I mean, just an incredible facility, and you know, I've heard that said before. And they're like, "What kind of recurve do you shoot?" I'm like, "I shoot a bear," and they're like, "I just prefer shooting something that's handmade and custom made." And I'm like, "They are."
1: Yeah, they're all they're all handmade, and when you say custom, you know, I mean, what does that mean? You pick the woods or whatever you wanted because. Oh, because it's a custom bowyer? Now, look, there's a lot of guys out there making beautiful products. Yes, 100%. Okay, I'm not saying anything right there, but I would just say to you that each one of these bows are handmade. Yeah. Okay? Absolutely. And And they are
0: custom made because every person that makes it, we we were talking about this, is going to be a little different. And that's why if you go to ATA and you're like, I love this bow, this is what I need, then you order one and the grip's a little thicker. Well, it was hand sanded. All some guy had a heavier hand than the other guy. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Um, No, but I mean the the thing there is that you have to realize that they are all they are all handmade. They're all one off. There's not a string of them that. Yeah, they might have made six super Kodiaks in a row, but each one of them was all hand done on each operation that it went through to get it where it was. Yeah. And one guy might have had too much coffee, so
0: he did more sanding. You know, I mean, (laughs) you never know yeah what um what would you say the 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 bow that you're proudest to have ever come up with would be well or work on or help develop or help come up with or oh well,
1: the fred bear signature bow yeah i mean clearly i told you i'd show you one before you left yeah, today I got so to yeah so, Still think how much money you got in your pocket? Yeah, that's it's not a free thing. Got to pay to play, no, brother. Kidding, yeah. <laughs> so, no the the Fred Bear signature bow, and it's probably from from the end. I I played an important part with Mister Bear. That's why. I mean, with Mister oh, Bear, yeah. with my dad, with Bill Stewart, who was yeah. the lead bowyer at the time uh, back in the day, and uh, you know to be around those guys. And there was other people involved, but. Um, to be able to work with them and then see that. And then from my aspect, the company gave me one of the signature bows. So I own one of the signature bows, um, uh, back in, you know, when I hit a certain number of years and, and so, um, it was, uh, you know, it was a, it was a great thing to work on, but it also taught me a lot of different things about, you know, when you go to make something, how to do it, how to do it right. And, yeah. and really, um. You know, in working with Fred Bear on, you know, some of the sign-offs on how he wanted certain things done as far as the reveal or the Flemish on a, how he wanted the glass beveled out, you know, so you had a reveal on the on the different colors of glass on the tips and stuff like that. It's just really cool.
0: So for those of you who don't know as well, the latch system on all of the bows, the Fred Bear takedowns, the Magrisers, the, uh, the Fred Eichlers, those are all the original Fred Bear designed latches. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah so on the wood handles, it's a, a socket glued into the wood handle, and then the yoke and the latch is attached with the spring and the clamp. Um, but then on the on the metal risers, like the um, A and B metal riser, um, aluminum, and then the Fred Eichler riser, those are all machined, and then the yoke and the uh, latch is all applied afterwards. So, same ones on on those bows but nonetheless it allows you to use a one two or three limb and uh uh you know weights from 30 pounds all the way to 70 pound and five pound increments on those yeah. three versions so yeah lots of combinations um I do need to
0: tell you that you've run me today too though hmm. uh, because I don't want to go back home and shoot my Heikler I, I gotta shoot something with wood now. You know what I mean? Like just seeing that process, I'm like,
1: yeah. I have to go
0: back to the Kodiak Hunter or to the. Well,
1: that that Eichlerizer, the Fred Eichlerizer, is a really nice shooting. It is. I mean, it makes a number three limbs. It's a 62 inch. It's a number. You know, I mean, it's it's perfect for. What's you your know,
0: favorite length of bow? Let's let's let me ask you that.
1: Sixty. Sixty. Yeah. I'm partial to 60. That was Mr. Bear's favorite. And and I'm by no means anywhere close to how tall Fred Bear was, but I love the 60-inch. 64, I've shot a few of those. I like shooting them. They're just too long for me in certain situations. Yeah. Um, I did design a bow with uh, my dad uh, several years ago. It's called the Cheyenne. I showed you that over on the the rack over there and the Cheyenne is a 55 inch because we had a, at the time in one piece bows, we had the 50, had the 40 inch, uh, super mag 48. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was 48 inches. And then we had the 52 inch Kodiak Magnum. And then we had the 58 inch Grizzly, 58 inch super Grizzly. And then the takedowns, of course, the shortest ones, 56, but, In a one piece, we didn't have anything from the 52 inch to the 58 inch. So we designed a bow. My dad and I designed a bow that was right in the middle and it's 55 inch. So it's an odd one because it's an odd, it's an odd length and that it's 55 inches. Um, but nonetheless, it's really a progressive design. It's really a nice shooting bow for as short as it is. And uh, it's pretty zippy. So if you were going to pick up a bow today
0: and go hunting, you're taking the, the
1: 59? If I, it depends. If I'm hunting locally, I'm shooting a 59. If I'm going on a trip, I'm probably taking my takedown. Yeah. I love the takedown, too. So it's hard to beat. You know, I like the 60-inch. I like the B-Riser. Or, I mean, there's two ways to get the 60 inches. B um, ones or A3s? B1s or A3s, yeah. So, you know, if you like the lighter handle, longer limb, you're shooting the A with the number threes. If you like a little bit heavier riser with, you know, a little bit stiffer limb, you're shooting the B with number ones. So, yeah, that's super cool. What's your favorite? couple more questions and we'll wrap it up. What's your, it's hard f- to have a favorite when you're around so much over such a long time, because the favorite is, you know, oh, I feel like a movie critic. <laughs> it's my new favorite movie. Whatever, dude, your last favorite yeah. one was the last one that came out. No, really. uh It's hard to, you know, it's hard to, to get into, it's hard to overcome the 59, but there's, you know, there's plenty of bows that I've shot that I like, yeah. but you know, the the 59 is really uh, one that I like. And the takedown is one that I like. I like, you know, I like the little grip that we used to do on the takedown. And I like this, the type a grip that we did on the 50th anniversary. It really just, yeah. it's a full hand, but it just really, it allows me to shoot really good.
0: Yeah. What is your what's your best memory with Fred or about Fred or about his legacy here
1: Well it's probably um you know when I was a young man uh at one of the company picnics I had an encounter with Mr. Bear and uh, that is one of my favorite memories it's it's one where we 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 were at the picnic and at Bear Mountain in Grayling. It's known as Hanson Hills now, and um, there was a pond there, and they had rings out in the in the pond, and they had people with fishing poles, and they're like, you know, you cast, and if you get in the ring, you win this prize. If you cast, you get in that ring out there, the farthest out one, you get a bigger prize, and so you know mr bear came over to me by chance okay i don't know if it was by chance or not but you know he was just co mingling with all of the employees uh, and he and he just spent a few times he said you need some help and i'll show you this is how you can do this and this is and then so he told me now you do that you you try for that far one out there and you you should get pretty close and so i went flipped it out there and it was it was a good distance out there for a young kid you know 7 8 years old and flipped and boom, right in the middle of the circle. And he just said to me, it looks like you didn't need my help after. <laughs> you know, so it's as a young individual, you know, when Mr. Bear was on TV, like, hey, they're publicizing. You had to watch the television, you know, or if he came to the, the school at the archery uh, demonstrations and stuff like that because we had archery in school and and grayling you know who wouldn't have been Grailing, right at the time but uh, you know then there was there was uh, another time when uh, you know Mr. Bear uh, asked me about working on the signature bow um, you know after somebody else had and he he brought me in his office and we just talked I don't even remember the whole conversation because I was kind of like in a delirium of, you know, here's Mr. Bear asking me questions. I'm a young kid, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I, I wish I could have recorded the conversation just, uh, but, you know, just asking me, you know, what I wanted to do and, and, uh, you know, was I going to go back to school and a number of things like that. And, uh, at the time and, and, uh, just was really, uh, one of those where, he took time to, you know, he could have just had me just start, here's this stuff, here's that stuff. You come up to my office, I'll show you this or that, you know, and and at the time, you know, everybody would say, Well, I'll bet you got all kinds of stuff signed by Fred Bear. I don't have I have a few things signed by Fred Bear that were personal gifts of Fred Bear making sure that he did them for me and that's the kind of person he was. Notes to me you know, on a picture. And, uh, but at the same time, I just, I, you know, even, even when he got up there where he was, you know, 86 years old and struggling, it wasn't like, oh, I better go get some signatures from Mr. Bear because he ain't going to be here tomorrow, you know, and just, you know, if I was, if I'd have been 35, 40 years old, maybe I'd have been thinking about that. But I wasn't at the time because it wasn't in the, wasn't in the books for me to think that Mr. Bear isn't going to be here. Yeah, that's incredible.
0: Guys, if you've been around hunting at all, you've probably heard of a little company called Muddy. I have learned that if it says Muddy on it, I can trust it. From tree stands, ground blinds, trail cameras, to all the accessories. If it says Muddy, it's a name I can trust. I love their tree stands. I love their ground blinds. I love their trail cameras. The new Merge and their Morph cellular trail cameras, they're phenomenal. Especially when you pair them up with a solar panel and they last forever. Guys... I would encourage you to check out Muddy uh, for all your tree stands, ground blinds, all the accessories, bow hangers, uh, harnesses, everything. Tree stands or ground blinds or accessories related. If it says Muddy, I know that I can trust it, guys. I know the new rage. The new rage is these super light tree stands that cost like four hundred bucks, and I'm like, well, <laughs> why would I spend four hundred bucks on one when I can spend a hundred and get four? Tree stands um, that are all going to perform. They're all going to be safe. They're all going to be comfortable. Guys, Muddy is the gold standard, in my opinion, uh, for what a tree stand and a ground blind and trail cameras should offer you. So, guys, go check them out. They are phenomenal. And I promise you, if you're shopping at a Dix Academy, Bass Pro, Cabela's, anywhere, if it says Muddy, I promise you it's a name you can trust. Guys, listen, um, I don't want to wrap it up. I want to keep talking, but I. Um, I appreciate you guys all listening, and I just want you to to understand one thing. We're here for one thing and one thing only, and that's to see the growth of archery and of hunting and to experience what's this.
1: So you've seen one get built, and so this one's for you. This one's for me? It's an awful small compound, isn't it? This is the smallest compound I've ever seen in my life. Because it's, it's not a compound. Which one should I open first? I don't know. Let me see. That one. Don't cut yourself. I don't want to have to take you to the hospital. Well, or explain to your wife. Yeah. <laughs> Insurance, right? Yeah.
0: Workman's comp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So that's
1: for you. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Well, maybe you can shoot something with it. But. Uh.
0: I'll try to shoot something with it. Now, if I shoot something with it or not, that's. <laughs> oh. I said maybe. <laughs> My gosh. Thank you so much. Now I got to see what kind of limbs come with it.
1: You're going to have to find limbs. We did what did that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think I'm trying to cut into that cardboard there. And and you signed it where <laughs> Well, we try to make it memorable.
0: Oh my lord I'm gonna go kill a gator with this today.
1: Wow.
0: That is incredible. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much. (laughs) No problem. One day I'm going to be showing people this saying Neil Bice from Bear Archery made that for me.
1: So you can say that you came here, you've seen how they are made, and now you have a piece of what was made here. And again, made in the USA right here in the usa in gainesville florida guys listen
0: whether you like whether you like traditional archery or not whether you are a bear archery fan or not i think that there's something that can be learned from this and that's we're all in this together like it doesn't matter um doesn't matter what you shoot or how you shoot it just encourage everybody I can't even speak right now why am I even trying to talk (laughs) guys thanks for listening you guys have a great week if you're not watching tune in so you can see this bow I'll post pictures of it obviously online but if you're not watching you guys gotta see this bow thanks so much you guys have a fantastic week thanks Dylan